Welcome to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church. So I, I want to get into um, I want to get into this today, and um, this is going to be um, wow. This is this this is going to be something that um, the Lord just kind of uh, laid on my heart on uh, Friday, and um, because I had planned a whole different direction, I want to next week. We're going to start a series called One Tough Question, and it's going to be a really awesome thing that, uh, that we get into. It's actually going to involve, too, you hearing from people within the congregation uh, and various things that they have experienced, and they're going to answer one tough question, several questions, but one tough question. And so that'll begin next week. But this is something that uh, the Lord laid on my heart that I'm going to build on, and we're going to use uh, every form of, of uh, connection, media, uh, Facebook, some Facebook Live, some, some Periscope, whatever, to, to put this initiative into operation. And uh, the, I, I was at my desk, and and the word, the word lift just uh, came into my heart, you know, and, and, um, and, and, and immediately I thought about, you know, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pilot, you know, and I, I, I've studied the law of lift because the law of lift keeps you alive when you're flying and you better know the law of lift. And then, but immediately my thought went to the space shuttle, and uh, this is a picture from a launch of the space shuttle, and you see that the space shuttle is mounted to a, a, a tube, so to speak, and that tube is just filled with rocket fuel. I mean, it's, it's one giant gas can, so to speak, and uh, it takes all of that fuel and thrust to get the space shuttle out of the pull of Earth's gravity and into space where it's created to operate. And so my mind is on this lift thing, and, and then I'm thinking, well, you know, my, my Bible theological brain starts thinking about lift and and what kind of way that, uh, you know, that I could uh, bring this law of lift to us. And, uh, and immediately, again, without, uh, I just started writing down, uh, uh, scribbling on my legal pad. And, uh, and, it, and I wrote down these words, life initiative for transformation. A life initiative, initiative is when you, when you launch something, you you set out to implement something, and launch is a good word here. So life initiative for transformation, the change that, that's needed. And then again, immediately my mind went to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and um, not because I have been studying in Deuteronomy chapter 6, but the Lord reminded me back a few years ago when I was doing a study through the book of Deuteronomy, and, um, and, and 
the things that, that, that he was teaching me that I didn't quite put it together like this, but uh, for, the sake of, for the sake of this morning, I want to I give you something here, and, um, and I, know, uh, I, I know you're going to hear a lot about this, so get ready. But I, we're going to begin, actually, in Jeremiah 6. Because this is this is where I feel like this is where I feel like um, I need to lay a little undergirding for Deuteronomy six, and I read this this last week in Jeremiah six. I've been doing presently. I've been in the book of Jeremiah, and last week we were praying through the first two chapters of Joel, and um, and Jeremiah. Remember we we preached a few weeks ago about Jeremiah's call as a, before he was even born and, uh, and talked about Jeremiah's answering the call of God and how that he went off into the wilderness and wanted to run from a, a, a burden or a calling that, and so on. So anyway, Jeremiah 6 verse 16 says this, stand by the roads and look. This is out of the Amplified. Stand by the roads and look. Stand by the road. There are many roads. There's many paths. There's many, you know, today we live in a day of there's, there's many roads. And especially as it pertains to, to spirituality, there's many roads. And uh, there's a lot of people who are embracing uh, alternative routes to spirituality. And, uh, and he said, stand by the roads. Go ahead and look at these roads. Look at them. Take a look at them. You know, there's no, there's no point in just ignoring it or, or denying it or, you know, look at it, stand by there and look, take a look, take a look at what you see. But he said, when it comes down to it, he said, ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Now the word ancient there comes from a Hebrew word, uh, olam. And I know I'm not pronouncing it right. I don't, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I'm just giving you the Hebrew word. And the, the word is literally translated eternal. And the reason I wanted you to see that is because when we think of ancient, we just think of something that is old. Now, just because something is old doesn't make it good. I mean... Do you ever find anything old in the refrigerator? It's not good. Throw it out. Throw it out. And um, something that something that there's a battle seems to be going on today, especially in the realms of uh, Christianity. You know, there's so much, so much introduced today that's. That seems to be, you know, a new way, a new path, a new, a new approach, and uh, there's an overall rejection of some of the old paths. And notice, I said old paths because the old paths, some of our old paths, need to be put away. Yeah, I just tell some of the old paths need to be put away. They're dead. They're lifeless. They have no touch of God on them. And, uh, and so, 
you know, the old paths, this is what a lot of people are rejecting in Christianity. Do you know, do you know Christianity in America is on a decline? Church attendance is on a decline. I'm just statistically, numerically, I could, I, I don't, you know, I don't get into giving you, people don't want to hear a bunch of statistics, but, but the fact of the matter is uh, church attendance is on the decline, uh, especially among younger people, millennials, uh, they're opting out of church, um, and they're, you know, they're, they're used to be like the nomads, you know, this was according to uh, a Barna research and a and a book uh, that was written by a man named Kinnaman, and he, he had these classifications of people that were brought up in the church, and he, he labeled them the, the nomads, and those were like Christians who just kind of float around. And, you know, it's people that just move from here to there based on the trend, trend or whatever's going on. And, uh, but, but today there's the nuns. They, they got a group now that they categorize as the nuns. They're, they're people who have uh, been brought up in church, but now they have no affiliation or no tie to any church. And they don't go to church, but they consider themselves to be very spiritual and, and, and everything. And, and, and I'm not here, I'm not here to debate that or to, because you're looking at a guy here. I'm a pastor of a church, and I hate religion. I'm not much impressed by church either. Church as we know it. Church as it has come to be. But I'm also, uh, I'm also a reformer. And I feel like God has called me to stand by the roads and ask for the ancient paths, not the old, the ancient paths. Now that word ancient comes from a word that literally means eternal. The eternal paths, that means they've been around forever and they always, they have an eternal touch of God on them because they originate from God's heart and God is eternal. And so when it looks, you look at all these different paths and you, you know, people are getting taken in today. People are getting sucked into things that they should really think about before they jump into and religions that they should really uh, think about before. And, and you know, uh, I mean, we live in a day too where today the most popular pastor in America is Oprah. I'm not here to kick Oprah, but I'm here to tell you Oprah is not a pastor. And her, and her approach to this is not, she's not looking for the eternal past. She's, she's open to, to anything. And, uh, and as you can tell, so here, I'm not here to get sidetracked, but I'm here to tell you something that it's, in, I, how many of you, I, I believe, listen to me, I believe that everyone should have a pastor. I, I'm sorry if you, you know, uh, people say, well, I don't need a pastor. Oh, yes, you do. You need a pastor. You need a shepherd. You need, you need someone to, to speak into your life. Because without a shepherd, the sheep are scattered. And I don't, I'm not up here saying I'm your pastor because I'm, you know, I'm not saying that. I am a shepherd. I'm, try, I'm a gatherer. I'm not a scatterer. 
but I'm not going to open my heart up to everything and be all-inclusive with everyone because not everyone has the same intent or the same purpose in that way because there is a way that seems right to man and the end thereof is destruction. See, here's what I've observed. If you, if you, be, if you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. If you try to accommodate everybody, you end up accommodating nobody. So just suck it up and say, okay, I'm just going to make my stand. I'm going to ask for the ancient past where the good way is. Everybody say the good way. God's way is the good way. Again, I'm not talking about uncovering old ways. I'm talking about good ways. And the good way of God is eternal. You'll find God's way in his word. And so this is what we need to be seeking. We need to be seeking for God's way. And, and there's a lot of things in, that resist us from breaking into the upper atmosphere of God's presence and God's promise and God's power. And religion is one of them. And so he says, where the good way is, and then walk in it. Everybody, look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. Doesn't this irritate you when preachers do this? Yeah, it does. Because half of y'all don't even doing it anyway. Look at, your, look at five people. No, I'm, not, no, I'm just kidding. And, and, and he says, and then walk in it. Because here's the, here is the breakdown, really, for the church today. Can I, just, can I just be honest with you? The need for the church right now is not a new theology. It's to walk in what we already know. Because we're really good at hearing the word, but we really suck at doing it. I said, Mike, you're a preacher. You shouldn't be talking like that. Well, you ain't heard nothing yet. I mean, I'm just telling you that I'm not impressed either with Christians who name the name of Jesus, but who are not walking in Jesus. I think there is a dichotomy. There's a, there's a, there is a, there's a, there's a hypocrisy there. And so my goal is, and listen, there's a little bit of hypocrite in all of us. Yeah, somebody called you last week and say, oh, did I wake you? Oh, no, 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 no. You liar. You know you got woke up. But you, you didn't want to make him feel bad or, or you didn't want him to think that he, you're still in bed and it's 1030 in the morning. But you didn't say, yeah, you woke me up. What do you want? I mean, we all have a little bit of hypocrisy in us, you know, when people say, oh, how did you like that? Oh, because, you know, if you say what, you know, you say, my wife says, how do, how do I look in this? My favorite question is, does this make me look fat? I know I can't answer that question because it, it gets you in trouble. I'm already, I, I, I stay, in, 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 you know, and, and, and so there's a little bit of hypocrisy in all of us, and we're all striving to get real and to get honest and to get genuine, and, and that's what I want to be is a, I want to be, listen, I want to be the same man standing right here and the same man that you see sitting at home. 
I just want to be the same. You're not going to find me like putting on my holy coat and going and, 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 and doing my thing and then take my coat off and then go and do like I be what I really am. My goal is to be what I am supposed to be. And I want to be it at home and I want to be it in my office. I want to be it on the highway. I want to be it with my family. I want my children to see consistency in me. Even at the best of us, we, we fail. I know I come short, but I strive that I walk in this good way because I want my kids to see that, man, I know my dad's human, but, but man, he's consistent. Because I, I think, I think that's, the, that's a challenge for us is to be consistent. It's not hard for y'all to look good on Sunday morning. I want to know how are you on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to know what's like on the ride home. See that? I know he was preaching about you. No, he wasn't. He was preaching about you. And so, <laughs> so. I want to use this verse as kind of the springboard from where I go because what, what we're going to talk about in all of this and as we share it, because I, I, listen, I'm going to get real. I'm going to try my very best and I'm going to employ help. I want your help. I need your help to be consistent in this. And I'm going to, I want your input on how we as a church can practically implement things. You know, I don't want to be so heavenly minded. I'm no earthly good. I don't want to, you know, here, I, here we go. We, you know, we're, we're, we're on the emphasis of prayer. We've been in this emphasis of prayer. But there comes a time where you have to say amen and go out and walk it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at Deuteronomy, and I'm going to read, I'm going to read to you, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I meant to bring, anyway, let me, let me just read it. Write this down. Here's number one, possess. You gotta, we're going we're gonna to go after the possessing what God has mar marked for us. Deuteronomy 6.1 says, now this is the command the statutes and the judgments, the precepts which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you might do, follow, obey them in the land which you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. So in other words, God had a land for them and that was marked and it had boundaries and it, had, uh, it, it was specifically laid out and, and it was described, but but but. For us, this land doesn't represent necessarily a piece of real estate. It's, a, it's our life in Christ. Our land is our, our walk with Jesus. Our land is what God has ordained for us to live in and, 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 and enjoy as, as heirs of the promise. And so he says, this is the command, the statutes, judgments, which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. So here's the, listen to church. Now you say, Pastor Mike, why are you reading out of the Old Testament? Because now think about this. When you bring this over into the New Testament, Paul says that 
He said to Timothy, he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so what we're talking about is how we take the word of God and rightly apply it to our lives so that there's a transformational effect of the word of God. You see, it doesn't matter how much of the word you have up here in your head. It's how much has the word changed you and transformed you as an individual. Has it made you a better man? If you're not a better husband for having come to Christ, then maybe you haven't come to Christ. If your life hasn't changed because of Jesus, maybe you have failed and missed Jesus somewhere and you just bought into some philosophy. And see, this is where the rationalization and the secularization and, 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 the, and the whole impetus of the, of the culture has taken us into what you, you've heard called today the post-Christian era. Listen, do you realize in our nation that we are moving further and further away from God's principles? And so he says... If you walk in the statutes and the precepts and the principles that I lay out for you, you will know, know how to possess the land. It's amazing to me how many believers ignore or totally disregard God's principles for life. And so I think for this lift, then we've got to learn how to possess the land. And in order to possess the land, we've got to commit ourselves to walk in the word of God. We make it like, like this is optional. Like purity and holiness is optional. Righteousness and, and, and separation from the world is optional. When's the last time you heard a, a believer confronted about their lifestyle? And see, our culture is coming apart at the seams. And I'm just going to tell you, and I, and I know I risk this is it because you're just, I'm, gonna, I'm being upfront and real with you. You are looking at a preacher who I think is the coolest, hippest 62-year-old on the planet. But I still believe in the ancient eternal paths that take us to God and leave us and draw us away from the world. So I'm not looking for loopholes where I can do things and get away with things. <sighs> Somebody came to me the other day. They said, you know, Pastor Mike, over here in this place, you know, they, they, they socially drink. Well, so what? Well, you know, if, if you would like... If you'd get up with the times, maybe you'd get, be able to get. Well, here's, here's the thing. Can I, can I just give you some things here? All right. So last year, 10.7 million people were arrested in America. No, listen to me. 10.7 million. We have the largest prison population on the planet in the United States of America. 80% of those who are in 
incarcerated are there because of drugs and or alcohol. Of the 10.6 million that were arrested last year, 80% were drug and alcohol related. I'm not here to accommodate your addiction. I'm here to preach to you a gospel that will set you free from your addiction and set you free from the things of this earth and give you an eternal perspective. Listen, if you've seen what I've seen, if you've watched what these things have done to fathers, done to families, done to children, done because when that guy goes to jail, he doesn't just go to jail, his wife goes to jail, his kids go to jail, everybody goes to jail. And see, then I come in and I come in preaching the gospel of transformation. But I don't say, you know, you can do this and God will just punch you a ticket to heaven. I preach a truth. And that if you shall know the truth, then the truth shall make you free. I know that's not going to make me popular. It's not going to put me... On television, it's not going to give me the biggest church in town. I know these things. But I do know this too. I would, I would rather see the transformative power of God deliver a person from darkness into light than have a thousand people just sitting and, and living a contradiction to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm out here to help you possess. Listen, isn't it true? I come for, listen, I, I, my family, I, I came from alcoholism. My family is cursed with alcoholism. And, and, then, to, and then to think that I can play with it or court it or, or even entertain it is like petting a snake. And I don't know about you, but I ain't into snakes. I'm like Jim Reeves. I don't like spiders and snakes, and that ain't what it takes to love me. You know, you young people are going, it's Jim Reeves. I know, I do this all the time. But you see, I'm here to help you possess. How many of you have lost things because of what addictions and things have done in you? How many of you have lost things? You've lost pressure. I'm not talking about lost money. I, I, my uncle, see, my uncle went away for, for a 30-day program uh, years ago. My uncle was, a, was, a, was an alcoholic that drank every day, and he, didn't, he, he, he drank in secret. Nobody, nobody really knew but his family because he was so good at hiding it, masquerading and keeping it hid. But he would, he, you know, he was, but he, and he was, was not a falling down drunk. It's just that he drank every day. He was a, one of the nicest guys, wasn't he, Terry? He, he, he went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, but, but, but he was one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet, but it was tearing up his family. His wife was, was ready to walk out. She'd taken all she could take. They had a nice home in the suburbs. They had a beautiful cottage on the lake. They had all kinds of things. And then she told him, she said, Norm, if you don't, if you don't get some help, I'm out of here. And he, he was forced to go, and he checked himself into a 30-day 
play, uh, program, and, and when he came out, I was there at his house the day he got home to, to welcome him and to pray for him and, uh, and, and, and just, to, to, just to, 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 to see him, and, and we're sitting, it was just me and him, and we were sitting at his, his dining room table, and, and be, before he had even got home, the bill had come. The bill had come for his 30-day program, and he was sitting there at the table, and he had the bill folded in front of him, and I noticed he was kind of nervous, and, and you know, and he, he's like, because he was worried and kind of nervous, like how, because, you know, it was like, how's all this, because, you know, this, this is huge, and, and he, he pushed this bill over to me, and he says, he says, Mike, he said, do you see how much the cost of my alcoholism is? And I pushed it back and I said, Norm, you can't put the cost of your alcoholism in dollars and cents. And I said, God has given you a chance to get your life together, to get things on in order in your life, to get your wife is still here, your wife is ready to walk this out with you. And I said, all you have to do is stay the, stay the past, stay the, and, and let God help you. And he said, that's what I intended to do, and that's what he did until the day he died. But you see, there, there, was, there was a lot of, a lot of fallout. Uh, Paul, is there a lot of fallout from alcoholism? There's things that just, there, there's things that you, you know, and God, and you see what the enemy does is he leads you into this stuff so he can rip you off and take your inheritance, take the relationships that are the most valuable things in your life, to take your children from you, to take your, 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 your dignity, to take your identity from you because then you no longer see yourself as God's son or God's daughter, but now you see yourself, I'm an addict, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic. Your identity goes tied to your sin. That you, you see, the Bible doesn't identify you by your sin. God doesn't hold you and tie you to your sin. God has created us to walk in him and in old things to pass away and behold all things to become new. And what we need to do is preach a radical gospel that will see people come out of darkness, out of their old things, and into their new things. That's why baptism is so important. When you go down in the water, you're going down a dirty old sinner. But when you come up, you're coming up in new life and resurrection power, and it shows that you have passed from death unto life, and you walk in the reality of that life. Hallelujah. Sorry. Trying to be dignified. And so God has this message for you today that he wants you to possess your land. Now here's the good news. Josie, listen to me. Where the enemy has ripped you off and where he has stolen, where he has robbed, killed, and destroyed, I am come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I have come to restore to you what the canker worm, the palmer worm, what all the enemy has tried to eat and destroy out of your life. I have come to restore it. And when God restores it, he doesn't just give it back. He gives it back double for your trouble. Hallelujah. He gives it back pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hallelujah. He wants you to rise up in the power of his promise and possess 
take possession. Devil, you are not gonna hold me from what God has promised me. I'm gonna take it. Boy, I feel that. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it. You see, when God got me, he got a, he got a drunk. He got an angry drunk. He got, a, he got a mess. But oh, because of his grace and his goodness, he showed me how to walk in the statutes and the principles of life in the precepts that he has laid out for me. And God has restored me. And now my sons and my daughters are serving God. I only have one of each. I don't know why I pluralized it. But I actually have many sons. I really do. I have many sons. I have many daughters, thank God. I have a lot of grandkids. Yeah. I do. I have, I have tons of grandkids. I, I love to lead people into possessing what God has for them. I will never pet you and, 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 uh, and ponti- pontificate over you and, and, and help you prolong your misery. I will tell you the truth and tell you that God came to set you free. He didn't come so you could stay in this mess. He came to deliver you and set you free. And sometimes people, you know, like a dad, they don't appreciate dad telling them, you can't do that. You can't live there. You can't do that. You can't live there. Pastor Mike, that's so old-fashioned. That has nothing to do with old-fashioned. It has everything to do with what's right. I'm so tired of people telling me, you're just old. The y'all, y'all almost got me believing it. But I, I, I feel like I, I'm just, I'm reaching for what God has to possess. Are you with me? I got to go. I got to move. Number two, verse two. Let's read it. So that you and your son and your grandson may fear and worship the Lord your God with awe-filled reverence and profound respect. See, when we worship here in this house, I don't make any apologies that it, 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 it's, it, it's supposed to be heartfelt. It's supposed to be touched with the presence of God. It's supposed to have the element of, of awe to it. Many of you worship God like, like, you, like you treat your spouse after you've been married for 40 years. You know what I'm talking about? Remember how when you first met your spouse, you couldn't do enough. You couldn't be in, spend enough time with them. You, 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 you made a fool out of yourself over them because you were so head over heels in love with them. And then you, get, then you marry them. And then over time, your familiarity breeds contempt. And you lose your awe for them. And next thing you know, you're taking them for granted. And you just, you just take, and then you start expecting them to do what before they did out of love. You start demanding for it. This is where a lot of church finds itself too. We're making, God, demanding God. God, you have to. Let me tell you something. He's God. He don't have to do nothing. 
But God loves to move. And you know how he loves, you, know you know what really touches God's heart? Is when you come into his presence with an overwhelming sense of awe. And when you lose your oh, you've really lost something. It's really hard to worship a God that you can't stand in reverence for. And he, notice what he says. If you walk this out and you keep this going, you and your son and your grandson may fear and worship the Lord your God. Because if you lose your fear and your worship of God, you lose this off-field reverence and this profound respect. And then you start treading on and taking for granted the God that you used to respect and fear and honor. He says to keep and actively do all his statutes and his commandments, which I'm commanding you all the days of your life, so that your days may be prolonged. Prolonged. Now listen to, me, listen to this, because I, in, the, in the understanding of the word prolong, it does not mean that it's the quantitative of days. The word prolong is a qualitative term. It's about how you spend those days and how you get the most and that you don't leave before you're supposed to. You don't check out until you walk into what God has promised. You haven't had your days prolonged until you walk in what God has set for you or possessed what he has marked out for you. How many people are in the graveyard today that their days were not prolonged. They may have died at 95 years old, but they never walked into their purpose. And then there might be a 20-year-old who found their purpose, fulfilled it, and their days were prolonged. They lived what they were here to do, and then they were gone. Hello? I want my days prolonged. I mean, that doesn't mean I want my days to go long. I just want to fulfill what God has put me here for. And I am not going to quit until I have walked in all of God's prophetic promises over my life. So he says, if you, if you stay in this attitude of worship and honor God and Put him in his proper place. Your days will be prolonged. How many of you want your days prolonged? Number three, verse three. Therefore, listen, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you, and that, you're, that, and that you may increase greatly in numbers as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, here's the word posterity. Your posterity, listen to me, your posterity is different than your prosperity. Now, a lot of people would read this and say, oh, the increase greatly is the, em is the emphasis here. And, and certainly, how many of you know God is a God of increase? You never have to worry about coming up short. When you walk out your, your life in God, he will always see that you are prospering spirit, soul, and body according to first, uh, third John, right? Yeah. 
But while we've preached the message of prosperity, we have left off the message of posterity. Because we take it like that we're to increase greatly for our own sake. But here's what posterity is, and I want you to listen to me because this is, this is what you, you need to grab a hold of this morning. Your posterity is what you leave behind. Your posterity is what you leave behind. And what he's promising here is that if you, if you listen, Israel, and do what I'm telling you, be careful, do it. It'll go well with you, and you'll increase greatly. You'll, you will prosper. Just as the Lord God has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. But as in all everything, God is thinking on a much deeper level than we are. Because when you go on, what you realize is that this posterity is for your sons and your sons' sons. It's what you leave behind. And some of us are so short-sighted grabbing everything we can for the now while we ignore what we're leaving behind in a rich inheritance of faith and commitment and conviction that we leave something in our children, not just something for our children. And that is our posterity. Because you know what a land that, what is good is a land that flows with milk and honey if it's all over when you're gone. And I think, can I just ask you, what is it in the church today that we're so concerned about prosperity that we preach a hundred messages to one? prosperity to posterity when if you really want to be rich and increase set your heart on your posterity and God will make sure that you prosper that's really profound y'all looking at me like I don't like that message or like that's not how I've heard it well we've 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 told people how to prosper how to prosper how to prosper and yet, if you ignore the posterity and your sons and your son's sons, prosperity is a message that will get twisted and taken out of context and become a stumbling block to you. You're going to, listen, read it. Read it in the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy. You know what he says? Beware. Lest when you enter into the land... And you move into houses that you did not build. And you get a harvest from fields that you did not plant. And you enjoy the benefits of things that you did not have to work for. Beware lest thou forget the Lord. think it's possible that we could actually 
go after prosperity and lose God in the journey? I did it. We're going to talk about that. I don't have time to go into it. I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. So I, I, I've preached. I've given you my, my laying out of this, and here's where we're going to be camping in the real practical application of life initiative for transformation. Everybody got to get this in your head. Life initiative for transformation. The f- initiative, what, am I, what have I got to do to get this working in my life? This change, this, this process that God's trying to get accomplished. And there's four things. Lift God in your heart or your life. Lift God in your heart and in your life. Here's where the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, where he says you've got to love God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. Folks, the practical application of this is you've got to get God first. Second, you lift your family by intercession. Verse 7 and 8, I'm just going to give you these because he says then that you may see this, in, see this manifested in your sons and your daughters and in your seeds seed. And what he, he's talking about is how that we're to stand in the place of intercession and stand in the gap for our children. Just like we prayed for our kids this morning, here's the practical application and they're all out there. So hopefully they'll get this on the podcast but I want to challenge you that are here with me this morning to pray with and over your family. Husbands and wives, you should be praying together. If you are not praying together, your marriage is just waiting for a disaster. It's amazing to me how one of my first questions when people come to me for counseling and marriage and all of that, one of the first questions I'm going to ask you is, are you praying together? Because if you're not praying together, how do you expect God to get your lives together if you're not in agreement over this one thing that if two of you agree is touching anything, it shall be done. And here's the thing I've learned. People will come and sit with me for hours and not spend five minutes with each other in prayer. Like what, I'm going to fix something that you won't open the door and let God talk to? Praying for your children? You actually, you need to be praying for your children. Let me ask you a question because we're going to get into this too in the, in the days ahead. I, I, I want to, I want, listen, how many of you grew up and you never heard your father impart a blessing over your life? I mean, verbally impart a blessing over your life. Would you raise your hand, really? Stand up if you never heard your father impart a blessing over your life. Stand up. You see this? Now think about this. You never received an impartation of blessing. 
I mean an intentional blessing. I got blessed out a lot by my dad, but never in a positive, powerful, scriptural way. You can sit down. We're going to address it. Do you know why there's so much? Uh, do, do you figure out? <laughs> it's not hard, is it, to figure out why all, all this dysfunction when many of us are carrying these hurts and we've never had a blessing imparted to us? I can see it. I can look in a man's eyes and I say, that man has never had a blessing of impartation to him. Because I see a scared, empty look in his eyes. I carried this father wound till I was in my 50s. And it was Bishop Johnson who looked me in the eye and said, Mike, you are so wounded, but I want you to know, God says that he loves you and he created you for a specific purpose to carry his word and his will into the earth and he's really proud of you. I melted like a, I melted into a puddle right in front of him because I had never heard those words before in my life and something shifted in me it changed my life. It changed my ministry. It changed me. And I got a lift. How much more would that work if you spoke into your children, gathered your children around, and you blessed them? Do you know how many kids in our, our, in our country today are going out, not only without a blessing, but they're being cursed? Lift your family by intercession. I don't mean just praying, but praying and speaking the word of God, reading the word of God together. Many of you are trying to make up in church what you are not doing at home. It will not work. Church is just an extension of your home. You want to see a move of God in the church? Then get God moving in your house. And then bring it to church with you. We'll embrace it and weep and shout and rejoice together with it. Number three, lift your church by service. Verse 9 talks about sitting at the gate. The gates represent the entrance in and out of the city, which is the ecclesia, the Greek word for the church. It's, a, it's that place where we gather. We, we, we serve God within the realm of the church and we bless people. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to bless people by serving. Number four, we lift your, our city, our world by our living. You, you got to read these verses. I, 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 I want you to know this. When we walk out the gospel, that's what changes the world. So it's like, they're not, the world's not impressed with all our Bible knowledge. I don't know if you realize that or not. The world really could care less about how much you, how much you know. They do want to know, do you care? 
Isn't that the Maxwellism? That the world doesn't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So around here, we're, we're going to change the world by just caring. We go to prisons and jails. We go to Kimbrough uh, Friday night and minister to the men. On Sunday nights, they'll go to Kimbrough and minister to the ladies. Monday nights, we go to Westville and minister to the men. We go to Porter County Jail and minister to the, to the people incarcerated. Tuesday nights, a van full of people hit the streets and go out and minister in the, in the darkest places in this region. Strip clubs and all kinds of places where, where the light of God is just shining and the love of God. And sometimes it's just manifested in a bag with a bag of water. And you say, what, what does that accomplish? It's a, it's a bottle of water that they have to pay $5 for, but we give it to them and then we love on them. And, and, and this whole thing is built around the idea that when they realize, I need out, I need out, I need out. There's, a, there's somebody there that they've already know to help walk them out. You can tell me you love, oh, I love people. Well, you love people and you're not serving some way, somehow? I, I'm not impressed. Friday nights, it's some men that go sit around a table in a, in a, in a place that, that men are desperate, men are destitute, men are there and, and they sit around a table with them and break bread together. It's on a Sunday night where people who are struggling with addictions sit together and we serve them and we hold out hope to them and we share. This is what the church is here for. It's in city circles where, you know, I'm busy, I can't do that. But it's where you realize, you know what? God has been so good to me. How can I, how can I impart this to someone else? City circles are about to launch. You can stay off in your own little thing or you can get connected and say, you know what? I want to I wanna help make an impact in the church and in the city and all that by being connected to these city circles. We do things. We have special meetings. The end of September, Autumn Dawson, Dawson uh, JoJo's wife, powerful. She's a powerful powerful woman of God is going to be here for a women's conference. Why do we do this stuff? Because we're trying to impact a city, impact a world. It's all practical things. I want you to bow your heads. When you get through the whole, I think it's 25 or, I think it's 25 verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you would, would you read that today or tonight before you call it a day? Would you read the entire chapter? Would you pray over it and say, God, what do, what do I need to do? And that's what I, I bring, bring it to this point here today, and I ask you the question, what is God telling you to do? That's all. What is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? What is God telling you to do? Father, I ask that you'll just speak to hearts here today. What is it that you're talking to people? What is it 
that you're trying to tell people what to do. God, I just pray today that you'll speak to hearts, you'll speak to lives. You'll speak, God, in a powerful way. That wherever, wherever people are at, Lord, there can be a, any place in the spectrum. A, a, a person who's just starting out or a person who, who hasn't even taken the first step. Could be a person who's been doubting and questioning even your existence, but you brought them here today. And, you, and, and today, God, I pray that they will realize this, this is what I need. I need to possess. I need, I, I need, this, I need this promise and and I need this posterity, and, and I need, God, what you have for me. Well, Father, I just pray, I pray that you'll just speak to hearts, speak to them right now. Show them what to do. Give them a practical application of, here's what I want you to do. Here's the next step for you. Here's the next step for you. That's how God works. He's, God's not going to show you what's ten miles down the road. He's just going to show you the next step. He just wants you to, and then he's going to ask you, do you have faith to take that step? Will you take that step? Will you step out and will you trust me? Will you do it? Will you? Will you? Father, I just pray that you'll show people their next step. Show people their next step, Lord. Lord, I ask for you to show us the eternal past, the ancient past, the eternal past the good way, and that we will just walk in it, God, and find rest for our souls. Find rest for our souls. Come, all you that are labored, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, Father, we just bow our hearts and we just pause and we just say thank you. Thank you for that rest. Thank you for listening to the City Point Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at citypoint.tv or our Facebook page, City Point Church.